This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Welcome to a special New Year's edition of Catholic Review Radio. With us today on the show is Deacon Greg Kandra, and we will be talking about the Holy Family. Deacon Greg is the creator of the blog, The Deacon's Bench, which has garnered some 20 million readers from around the world since its inception in 2007. Before being ordained for the Diocese of Brooklyn, Deacon Greg spent nearly three decades in broadcast journalism, most of that time at CBS News, where he was a writer and producer for several programs, including 48 Hours, 60 Minutes 2, and the CBS Evening News with Katie Couric. He was the co-writer of the acclaimed documentary 9-11, hosted by Robert De Niro, and has received every major award in broadcasting, including three Emmys, two Peabody's, and four awards from the Writers Guild of America. Following his career in television news, he served as a senior writer and editor for Catholic Near East Welfare Association, an agency of the Holy See, based in New York City. He retired from CNEWA in March of 2022 and continues to serve as a consultant to the agency. A popular speaker and leader of retreats, Deacon Greg is the author of six books, including Befriending St. Joseph, A Deacon Praise, The Busy Person's Guide to Prayer, and several others. He and his wife live in Queens, New York, where he serves at Our Lady Queen of Martyrs Parish in Forest Hills. Welcome to the show, Deacon Greg. Well, thank you, Chris. It's good to be here. This year, since Christmas and New Year's fall on Sundays, there is no Sunday between those holidays, which is usually the Feast of the Holy Family. So the Feast of the Holy Family gets moved to Friday, December 30th. So let's talk about the Holy Family and why that's such an inspiration to us, even though today is not the Feast of the Holy Family. (laughs) I said many years ago that I would have hated to have been St. Joseph. Can you imagine being the only one not perfect in that family? You know, I mean, the only non-sinner at the in the whole in the whole house who left the dishes on the table had to be Joseph. Who forgot to bring the donkey into the stable at night had to be Joseph. But you you've written about befriending Saint Joseph, and you note the scripture doesn't record Joseph as saying a single word. How do we know so much about Saint Joseph, despite there being very little written about him? Well, it's it's really by what he did and how he did it that we get a fuller picture of of who he was and why he matters to us and why we should pay more attention to him than I think we do. He he doesn't get nearly the credit he deserves, partly because he was quiet. He didn't say anything. It's it's funny when I did an interview about the book uh, a few months ago, uh, the, the the person interviewing me said there's this old joke about St. Joseph where the Holy Family is sitting around the dinner table at night and it's quiet and there's an awkward silence and Joseph finally pipes up and says, okay, I know, it's me, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, But, you know, he, because he doesn't have any recorded words in scripture and because, you know, Mary gets the lion's share, I guess, of the attention and Jesus, of course, but Mary is the one who uh, has the Magnificat and, and all these great, moments uh in in scripture we tend to forget about joseph and we tend to 
think about him as just this strong, silent type who stands on the sidelines, kind of the the spectator to the greatest story ever told. And whom God speaks to in dreams. Yes. And that's one of the important lessons of Joseph is listen to your dreams and listen to angels who come to you to tell you things that you need to hear. And one of the great gifts of Joseph, I think, is that he did that, that he completely trusted in God's will for his life. And he went where God led him. And I think one of the things that we maybe take for granted is how much Joseph just you know, went with the flow. Well, this was hard. This was a guy who probably just hoped to spend the rest of his life with his little carpenter shop in Nazareth, living happily ever after in a very humble existence. And, you know, like, like the saying says, make plans and God laughs. Mm -hmm. Joseph made plans and God laughed. And God said, no, I have something else in mind. And whatever it was that God asked him to do, Joseph went along with it. And it took so much courage and trust and faith and a sense of devotion to God. And it's really a, a shining example of, of trust and faith, uh, which I think we forget about. This, this was not easy for him to do, and he did it, and I think he has a lot to teach us. How did Joseph shape the life of the Holy Family and the upbringing of Jesus? That's an interesting question. I preached about this one time in a in a parish mission that so much of what Jesus had to say and so much of what he had to do was shaped by the way he was brought up and the people who brought him up and the things that he learned from from Mary and from Joseph and you know Joseph both Mary and Joseph were told uh, by angels at key moments in their life do not be afraid. Mm -hmm trust that God is is going to get you through this. 30 years after that, one of the first, first things that Jesus says at the Sea of Galilee is put out into the deep, which is another way of saying, do not be afraid. Trust me. Yeah, go where you don't expect to go because you will find something wonderful and you will be taken care of. Um, so you see little seeds of that throughout Jesus's life and the way that that he talks about uh, parents and, and about family relationships. I think he saw that firsthand in his own life. Mm -hmm. Was there an irony of sorts that, you know, the, the son of a carpenter ends up being hung on a wooden cross and, and have to carry that cross to his death? Yeah. And I imagine it, it must've been even more excruciating for him emotionally to realize this is how it was going to come to an end, uh, something he had grown up around and had grown with. And the wood that he had learned to shape with his own hands from his father was going to be the instrument of his death. There's a, a very painful irony to that. Mm -hmm. The Holy Family is an outlier, though. You, you got two saints as parents. God is the kid. <laughs> that makes it seem really impossible for some of us to attain what the Holy Family had since we can't all be saints and none of us are God, how does the Holy Family speak to us today? I think it's a lot about listening and honoring one another and, and uh, respecting one another. I, I've often said that the church gives us the Feast of the Holy Family at a very important moment, at a moment in our secular world where we've had about a as much of family as we can take after Thanksgiving yes. and Christmas and the holidays and all the frenzy and 
all of that, um, it gives us this this feast, this this holy day, to really think about what it means to be a family, and to look at how they collaborated with one another and respected one another. And the the church gives us the holy family as a model, and it's a very high ideal for us, as you mentioned, to try and even come close to that, uh, where you have one person is born without sin and the other one is the son of God, and then there's Joseph who just quietly sits there and minds his own business and tries to stay out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's uh, it's about giving honor and dignity to each member of that family and appreciating them for who they are and what they are. And again, getting back to the idea of trust and surrender and uh, and prayer, which was such an important part of of their lives. We see them going to the temple, uh, losing Jesus in the temple. Mm-hmm. They were obviously people of great devotion and great faith who, like I said, they listened to angels. And that has something, I think, to, to say to us today. When we talk about families being trying to holy and happy and whole, what kinds of things that the Holy Family did could be indicators of that? Or are there are there other saintly families that can be examples for us that are a little bit closer to where we are? You know, I I often uh, ask myself, what is the secret sauce <laughs> that keeps a family together? And that particularly now when you have so many families uh, where parents are are anxious or upset because their, their kids aren't going to church or they've drifted away from the faith, what is it that makes families stay together as Catholic and to stay whole. And it's it's a mystery. It really is. I think a lot of it has to do with the example that the parents set, uh, example of sacrifice and, and trust and love uh, for each other and for their fellow man. Mm-hmm. So many of the families I know that have managed to stay close to the church and to practice the faith you know, faithfully are ones who not only just go to church and do all the Catholic things you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. but they also get involved somehow in giving to others. And they realize the intrinsic importance of, of self-sacrifice and the importance of loving your neighbor and how that is a witness to the faith. And I think that's that's an important part of it also. And I think um, it doesn't really talk about it much in scripture, but I think we have to presume that there was a love of neighbor within the Holy family also mm-hmm. and in the way that they lived in their community and looked out for one another and, uh, and Jesus's extended family also, which doesn't really get that much attention, but a sense of community, a sense of solidarity and a sense of looking out for one another, I think uh, is, is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think, you know, my parents, I'm one of 10 children, but my parents taught us a lot about service and service to others and, and doing those kinds of things. So it certainly was an element of that in part of the love that we saw, not only within the family, but also reaching out. Yeah. Yeah. And it sets an example. You know, I, I, I so admire my my brother-in-law. He's a professor at Notre Dame and uh, he teaches uh, accounting. But every year at Thanksgiving, they open their home and they invite any of the students who don't have a place to go to, for Thanksgiving to come and have Thanksgiving dinner with them. And uh, my sister-in-law posted a, a picture of their garage, a big two-car garage 
filled with tables and chairs and about 30 students who arrived to have Thanksgiving dinner at their home. And I thought, what a great witness and an example uh, of sharing what you have with uh, with others that they're giving to their kids. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with author and speaker Deacon Greg Kandra. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. Hi, this is Father Tom Yale of Blessed Sacrament Parish in Alexandria, Virginia. I want to fire you up for the March 1st, 2023 Top Golf Fundraiser with WMET 1160 AM. I participated in the first ever event. Let me tell you, it was a ton of fun. My parishioners came with me and sponsored me in the $25,000 hole-in-one prize. I love Catholic radio, and we need to do all we can to keep it on air so Catholics have a voice in the public square. The bottom line is this, Top Golf is a fun way to save souls. All you need to do is show up. My brother priests, please join us for the prizes and a chance to compete with your parishioners. You'll want your team's name on that trophy. Please visit grnonline.com. Click on events. That's grnonline.com. GRN is radio for your soul. And I assure you after this family fun night, every soul in your family will be better off for this good work. God bless you. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. One day before she was scheduled to have coronary bypass surgery at University of Maryland St. Joseph Medical Center after suffering a heart attack at 52, Danielle Giles focused her attention on painting a picture of a sandy beach. Watching an instructional video that played in her hospital room in early August, the parishioner of Church of the Nativity in Timonium carefully applied bright colors to her paper canvas. It's not very beautiful or anything, Guile said with a laugh, but just the act of touching the brush to paper is the relaxing part. Beginning in the summer of 2021, University of Maryland St. Joseph Medical Center in Towson has offered patients such as Giles the chance to relax and express themselves creatively through the hospital's heart cart outreach. Volunteers roll the heart cart filled with art supplies from room to room and invite patients to create a variety of images with the help of a step-by-step -step video instruction guide. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Canadian and U.S. Catholics have begun a series of online meetings that will continue through the end of January as part of Pope Francis's ongoing call to synodality in the Church. The gatherings are part of the continental phase of the synodal process in advance of the first session of the Synod of Bishops on Synodality, scheduled next October at the Vatican. Pope Francis in October of this year announced a second session for October 2024, saying he did not want to rush the process of discerning how the Holy Spirit is calling the church to grow in synodality. The meetings, seven in English, three in Spanish, and two in French, will give participants the time to hear from one another in hour-long listening circles. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. For Catholic Review Media, I'm Kevin Parks. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. We're back on Catholic Review Radio, talking with Deacon Greg Kandra, author of Befriending St. Joseph, Finding Faith, Hope, and Courage in the Seven Sorrows Devotion, that was published in early 2022 by Ave Maria Press. Deacon Greg, what are the seven sorrows of St. Joseph, and how do they tie into what we know about the Holy Family? 
Well, it's interesting how they came about. Apparently, the story goes that there were uh, a couple of friars who were in a shipwreck. And while they were clinging to the wreckage from their ship trying to stay alive, St. Joseph appeared to them and said, I will help you. I need you to uh, meditate on these key moments of my life, and I will bring you to safety. And he did. And the the seven sorrows are, for example, Joseph struggling with whether or not to divorce Mary, Joseph having to see his child born in poverty, Joseph hearing the cries of his child at his circumcision, the anxiety of Joseph when he lost uh, Jesus in the temple, moments like that, which are in the scriptures, and we have to presume were moments of great heartache. And out of that, he learned lessons of of trust and of courage that can serve as an example, really, for all of us of, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, the trust in God and uh, faith in God's will for our lives. Why don't we hear anything about St. Joseph once Jesus begins his public ministry? Usually that's considered to be around his age 30 with his first miracle at Cana at the wedding feast. We don't hear anything about Joseph after that. Yeah, it's interesting. He, you know, sort of drops off the face of the earth or disappears from scripture. And people speculate that at some point between when Jesus was 12 and when he was 30, Joseph probably died. Mm -hmm. But we don't know. We don't know uh, if, you know, what happened to him, or if he was sick, uh, anything like that. Um, there's a lot of interesting speculation about whether Joseph was a young man or an old man. I tend to fall on the side of thinking he was young because as we see in the scripture, he does a lot of running around and mm -hmm. a lot of traveling. And that would be hard for an old man uh, mm -hmm. going to Bethlehem and then to Egypt and then back to Nazareth and all of that. And the physical activity that is, is involved in being a carpenter, um, I think would be difficult for an older guy also. Mm -hmm. um, We're also talking about ages relative in terms of you know back then somebody who was 40 would have been considered really old you know in some yeah. ways because you know the, the, their life expectancies weren't what they are today it's certainly possible he could have been older than mary but not elderly you know that there's one of the stories that goes around is that he was 99 years old when he was betrothed to mary i find that a little hard to swallow yeah. um but yeah he and he may very well have had another family. Uh, his first wife may have died. He may have had other children uh, mm -hmm. who were the the brothers uh, and sisters, the family that is mentioned, uh, you know, Jesus's brothers and sisters. We just don't know. And right. it's a lot of, of speculation. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that we can be more like the Holy Family? Is, is it all about trusting in God's plan or is there more to it than that? I think a lot of it is remembering what's important and and keeping priorities straight, which is especially important now in the, in the times we live in. Mm -hmm. It's making time for one another. It's making time for God in your life. I think that's something that a lot of families struggle with. And I think it's a battle that, sadly, in some places, the church is losing. Uh, people make it a bigger priority to go to brunch or to go to soccer practice or to go to some other event rather than to go to church. And 
we see that even um, in a smaller way at Christmas time. I know so many parishes, and maybe this has happened where you are, where everybody will go to mass, to the vigil mass at Christmas, or maybe midnight mass or the mass at night. And they skip going to mass on Christmas day where they do that. So they don't have to go to mass on Christmas day and they could spend Mm -hmm. Christmas day opening presents and cooking and all that other stuff, Mm -hmm. which is fine. But I think it sort of diminishes the importance of Christmas day itself. The the religious aspect of it sort of falls into the background Mm -hmm. when you don't carve out that time to go to church and to celebrate the birth of Christ. And we see that so often, uh, you know, people have made going to mass optional and it's not. And we need to remember that and, you know, remind people of that. And the Holy Family reminds us of that, their devotion and their fidelity to to their own faith uh, should be an example to us. And just the the way that they dealt with one another, that they were faithful to one another, they respected one another, and uh, really felt themselves collaborators, I think, in this, the greatest story ever told. And um, I think we need to see ourselves in each of our own families, in the own our domestic church, as we say, as continuing that, as continuing to be collaborators in God's work in our world, and uh, that family life is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. The Feast of the Presentation of Jesus in the Temple uh, is coming up February 2nd. That's not the baptism of the Lord, which is, you know, kind of ends the Christmas season. And people think, oh, that's Jesus' baptism as a child. No, no, no. That was his baptism in the River Jordan. So the presentation of Jesus in the Temple is 40 days after after Christmas. It, 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 but it tells us, that story tells us a little bit more about the Holy Family. What does that episode from the Gospel of Luke teach us? Well, first it shows the the Holy Family's fidelity to the law and to the faith and going into the temple to do this, even though it's you know not unlike the baptism of Jesus. He didn't have to be baptized, but he wanted to. And it's not like you have to bring the Son of God into the temple and say, here he is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know him. That's fine. Um, but it's, you know, being a part of the larger culture and being a part of uh, the law of the time, they they wanted to be obedient to that. And it's, um, you know, once again, a great testament of faith and uh, humility before God, uh, which should humble all of us, really. Mm-hmm. In just a few days on January 6th, we're going to celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany. How does the visit of the wise men affect the Holy Family, Mary, Joseph, Jesus? Well, for one thing, it, I think, I think affirms uh, what they've been hearing in all these dreams and what the angels have been saying to them. And it also affirms that something miraculous has happened in their lives and in their world, that these visitors from a different country and a different culture felt drawn to their child. And it showed uh, in a very profound way that the breadth and depth of Christ's, this newborn child's influence in the world, that people would come from so far away from uh, different religions and different cultures and different backgrounds to pay tribute to him. And it was a foreshadowing of what was to come, Mm -hmm. of people from all over the world uh, honoring and worshiping and and loving the Son of God. And uh, it's 
it's a, a moment of of beauty and wonder, I think, and a, a moment of transformation for the wise men. Mm-hmm. You know, the that scripture passage ends by saying they return to their homeland by another way. That's the influence of Christ on all of us. Once you have an encounter with Christ, it changes everything, and you can't go back to what you were or go back the same way. Mm-hmm. You change the direction of your life. And it's uh, really a, a beautiful message for all of us. Mm-hmm. You alluded to the uh, Jesus being lost in the you know on the way home from from the temple uh, when he was about twelve years old, and one of the lines there in the scripture is you know that Mary kept all these things in her heart, and so you you know that as a mom, as the Holy Family, even though she was special, even though the boy was special, she kept things all in her heart, and that must just have been a really great thing for her as a mom to be able to just show that love. Yeah. The gospel doesn't say, you know, Mary went on Oprah to talk about all this. <laughs> she, she was a woman of deep reflection and deep prayer and um, it, it must've been transformative and just enriched her life. And as it enriches our life to, to think about all the events that, you know, went into being a part of the Holy Family. Um, it's it, it was an amazing life. Sure was. Well, we have been talking today with Deacon Greg Kandra about the Holy Family and St. Joseph and Mary and Jesus. His books are available at Amazon and other booksellers, so you can get them uh, for friends and family. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Chris. This is Christopher Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Review Radio. Your journey awaits. Guadalupe Radio Network's car raffle starts January 3rd. This luxury car is a beauty. A 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 with a 0 to 60 acceleration of 6.3 seconds. Yet it still logs 36 highway miles per gallon of gas. Safety features include active brake and attention assist. Visit grnonline.com after January 3rd. Raffle tickets are $25 each, 5 for 100. Visit grnonline.com. Help GRN drive home the word of God. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead... Let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.